0: So 10 of Talk on Tech. I am Patrick Smith. And I'm Josh Joseph. And we're here to guide you through all things information technology and Mount West Community Technical College. Uh, today we have kind of a, a special, supersized interview uh, today with Scott Nicholas, which we'll be getting to momentarily. But first, let me just get out the quick announcements. We won't be having any news stories today because of how long the interview is, but I, I think the interview is well worth it to go ahead and throw into one complete episode. So just a reminder for our students, at this point, you can start registering for summer classes. Uh, Fall registration will be here before you know it, but with summer classes, if you have to pick up any general education courses like Englishes or Maths or, or Sociology, those type of things, definitely a good time to go ahead and knock those out during the summer. As a reminder, you can register online, and we have three different sessions going on. Summer A is May 14th through July 20th. Session B is actually a smaller fractional version of that. It's the the first half, uh, May 14th through June 15th, and session C is June 18th through July 20th. So as I've said before, session A runs the whole the whole summer, if you will, the whole two months, and B and C take place at the part one of that and the part two basically cuts it in half. So that's just the quick announcements I want to say here. Uh, I want to go ahead and get into the interview with Scott Nicholas. This is an excellent interview from the standpoint of someone who's worked a, a large portion of their IT career as an IT consultant. Scott Nicholas has a lot of great tips and, and stories about customer service, basically. You always have to remember that the customer, well, the this, this statement is customer is always right, the customer is not always right, but you always have to take into account maybe the person writing the paycheck is not the person who's employing you. So mm-hmm. a lot of great stuff in this uh, coming up interview, but then also at the very end we talk about some of the classes he offers at Ohio University and some of their degrees in their four-year program. So if you're in, if you're an Ohio native or, or a resident over there and you want to go ahead and, and get involved with uh, OU, stick around and listen to that information as well. So uh, without any further waiting, let's go ahead and get into the interview with Scott Nicholas. Today I'm sitting here with Scott Nicholas, who I believe is my Obi-Wan Kenobi to me is Luke Skywalker. He is definitely my mentor of mentors who got me started on the road to my MCSE and and everything Microsoft certification. So hello, Scott. Hi, Patrick. So today we're going to be talking about... um, IT consultants. And this would be in case you, you think you're going to go out there and get a job in in the real world, so to speak, and be a system administrator, but then you decide to kind of go off on your own and be a hired gun, basically. And so Scott has a lot of experience with that, and I have a little bit. Um, but first, Scott, let's let's talk about your time here and, and just kind of an overview of, of your history with IT, I guess.
1: Okay. Um, I, believe it or not, started out managing auto parts stores. And I was in my twenties and I had always loved working with computers. And I took a look at what I was doing and I said, you know, I want to be out of this business by the time I turn 30. And so I haven't always been in it. I made a pretty large career change there. And I, I did get out of the, the auto parts business when I was 30. And, um, at that time, I went to a uh, technical school for electronics, mm-hmm. and that's how I got into IT, and this was in the 80s, and so really, there weren't hardly anyone around that was working on computers at the time, and so it was it was a good time to get into the business, and at that time, I was living in Virginia, and I was managing an auto parts store, and I started doing um, computer repair and things like that on the side. And so that's where I started in consulting, if you want to look at it that way. But um, I was born here in uh, Huntington, and I moved away when I was young. And so I wanted to move back to this area, and uh, I was going to go to Marshall actually at the time. And so I moved back here, and uh, I ended up meeting my wife. And I didn't go back to school at that time, and I wish that I had. But um, we moved back out to Virginia for a while, and. I was able to get a job back here because my wife was just homesick like crazy. And so we had to get back to the hills here. And so I got a job working for a company that's no longer in business now called the Computer Store. It used to be on 6th Avenue in the Pritchard Building. And um, I started with them working on hardware, doing hardware repair. And uh, at that time, Novell was the networking software that was out there for PCs. and um,
0: So was that like maybe 90, 91, just to give an idea?
1: It was, it was probably 92, okay. 1992, 1993. I, I could quickly see that, uh, like I say, I was working on hardware, but I could quickly see that there were going to be more people that could work on hardware than there would be who could do networking. Mm-hmm. And I just thought networking was the coolest thing ever because – um, just being able to connect up all these people and, and decide what they could get to and what they couldn't get to and, you know, what they could print to and um, just, it was just the, the neatest thing ever. And IT in general for me has always been like getting paid to do my hobby. And so that's, <laughs> that's the kind of job you want to find. If, if you can find a job where you can be doing the things that you love to do that it's not really a job then, and so um, I talked to my boss at the time, and I said, hey, you know, I would really like to get into the networking, and we had someone else that was uh, already certified as a Novell um C&E, uh, certified network engineer, and so she said, well, we're not going to send you away to class for that, but if you want to study for it on your own, you can grab this guy's books and, and do that, and so that's what I did. I uh, self-studied for that, and it took six exams to uh, become a CNE, and, uh, and so I did that. And I started working, doing networking on that as a certified network engineer. And so, as you probably know, when you go out into IT, you can kind of go into three different avenues, basically. One, you can get out and you go and you work for a company that has IT, and so, and everybody has IT now. It's like electricity or sewage or whatever. It's a, just another utility, everybody has to have it, but it, always, it hasn't always been that way. And so, you can work for a company that can afford to have an IT person. And so, that might be a job that you could get. Um, another way to go would be to work for a company that provides IT services to other companies. And that's what the computer store did. Um, we were, we were a reseller. We sold hardware and things like that also, including Apple products. We were the, I think maybe the only, the only Apple dealer in West Virginia at that time. And, um,
0: I wish I would have known back then.
1: Yeah. We had our little Apple. I remember the old Apple logo too. You know, we had it there and, um, But we had a couple of different locations, and one was in Charleston, and the majority of the Apple stuff was done out of the Charleston store. But here in Huntington, we did mostly PC stuff, which is kind of funny because we did lots and lots and lots of work for the state government, which was in Charleston. And so the Charleston store didn't do much of that at all because they were doing Apple products, so – Anyway, but you can get a job working for a company that provides IT services to other companies who can't afford to hire a full-time IT person, you know, on staff. And so um, that's what the company I worked for did. And then finally, you can decide, hey, you know, I want to blow this pop stand, and I'm going to just go out on my own and and do my own thing. I'm going to do consulting. I'll I'll pick and choose who my customers are and. Um, what kind of jobs I want to do and I think that's primarily what we want to talk about today because I've, I've been in um, pretty much in all three of those situations but uh, and by far the consulting on your own is I think the, the most rewarding because you really get to pick and choose what you want to do and who you want to work for and um, I've had I've had some bumps along the way some potholes if you will um when i was working for uh the computer store and some of the customers that i had to deal with um it was just some things that we want to talk about and things maybe that you want to try to avoid happening to you so
0: okay well i will just say um i've already i've already talked about my history at least here previously but for a time um my first job in it was around 99 And so I got a job with a local company called W3 Consulting at the time. Uh, Actually, during the time I was taking the NT4 classes to you. And and so I worked there for a while. That company dissolved. The partnership kind of went separate ways. That sometimes happens when you have partners that own a company. (laughs) And so I stuck with one of the partners, and we continued on to another company but I did I I did fit into that second category of working for a company who was basically contracted as a as a third party consulting company and and then also all the while there there were people who would get a hold of me and say will you come do this for me that type of thing so yeah I've done little odds and ends uh especially I found for former bosses of, of nothing, because you know, my first my first job, you said yours was at an auto parts store. My first job was at a gas station. But my boss knew that I was into computers. Yes. So years later she would call and be like, Hey, uh, you're a computer guy, right? You wanna come out here and network my computers or you wanna come out and set up um IP webcams for me so I can monitor the the office from the house. So right, that always right. that always helps. So I guess there, your first lesson is, uh think about all the people you are networking with, because at some point, if you want to work for them on down the road, they may call you in an unusual time and give you a, an opportunity you would have never thought about.
1: Oh, definitely. I, I didn't mention how I came to be here at Marshall, and and be, you know, mm-hmm. your Obi Wan to my <laughs> Padawan learner there. If you want, <laughs> jeez, we're talking geek. Um, what, what happened there is that, um, the computer store had been owned by the same, uh, person since 1976. And I mean, that's ancient in computer, computer terms. I mean, old. And, um, this was in, uh, 1999 and, um, she, I'd been there for about 10 years and, um, I decided if she was not going to own the company anymore, I really didn't want to work there. And so, it just so happens that I had taught uh, an adjunct class here um, at MCTC when it was Marshall Community and Technical College. And, um, and so uh, that was a repair class, an A-plus repair class. And so at that time, just as when I was getting, deciding I wanted to move on to something else, um, Dr. Bob Hayes, that used to be uh, the president of Marshall University at the time, he was an interim provost for the Community and Technical College. And so I love Dr. Hayes. I mean, he, he is his, like a grandfather to me. I mean, I just. He is like he, your mentor? He, he's, he's, well, not, not so much on the tech side because he won't even use email. <laughs> but it's so funny. He, at that time, was, he said that he wanted to create a, um, an MCSE program for the community and technical college and like i say he he does not use tech he will not use tech and yet he had the foresight to to see that that was something that you know the community college really needed and so they were trying to decide whether or not they should hire a full-time faculty member to come in and do that or if they were going to kind of farm out the classes to um, a third-party training company and so i came in and uh, i talked to him and and he, you know, frankly, just sat down with me and he said, you know, this is what we want to do, uh, we want to start this thing from scratch. Can you do that? And so I thought, well, you know, I, I had, I had been a, a technical trainer for a lot of our our clients too. You know, when we would st- put in an, a network, I would sit down with their their administrators and train them on how to use it. And so I'd done a lot of corporate training, and um, I really liked it. And so <laughs> I said, sure, I can do that. No problem. And uh, and so I did actually create the, the MCSE, the systems administration uh, option here, and um, they hired me full time and I came in and I taught here for about 10 years. And so what Patrick had said about people, you know, coming kind of out of your past, um, when I left the computer store, uh, my customers followed me. I was not planning on doing consulting Um I had a new job and, and I was a teacher, a professor, and I had this whole new program that I was trying to build from, from scratch. And out of the blue, I get some phone calls in my office at Marshall. And uh, it was clients that I had who said, Hey, you know, I was trying to find you and they said, You're not there anymore. <laughs> and so I said, Well, how did you find me? And they said, Oh, you know, such and such, new such and such. And they said, Oh, yeah, you're at Marshall now. And they said we still want you to take care of all of our networking and so forth. And I said, well, I have another job now, you know. And uh, they said, well, that's okay. We still want you to come and work on our equipment and you know keep our network up and running. And I said, well, I thought about that for a little bit there, and I said, well, okay, I can do that. But let me tell you up front that I can't just drop everything and run. and, you know, to help you when you when you have a problem because it, it's just a different situation. I may have classes to teach or, you know, office hours where I have to meet with students. And so up front they knew that. I mean, I made that clear. And they still said, that's okay. We still want you to do this, which kind of said something for the, the people that were working at the computer store at the time. <laughs> and so – and, I mean, basically, that's what happened with the computer store. It just, you know, the, the good people kind of fled, and um, it went downhill, and so they're gone now. But um, that's how I continued to consult after I became a, a teacher, too. And so, you know, and Patrick was in the very first group of students that came through in that program, and they were hand by the way, um, by the professors that were already here. And so you know, that says a lot for Patrick, too, and I must say, um, he has been probably the best student I've ever had. He has a, a memory like, I don't know, I've never seen it on anybody else. He would say something like, you know, do you remember back on February 22nd when we were on chapter such and such, and we were in module this on page such and such, and you said that, and I'd say, well, no, but go ahead, you know, and so he says now his memory's not quite as good as that anymore, but I still find that hard to believe, so um, that's how I ended up consulting. I had, I had clients from my former company, and they followed me uh, not by my choice. They just tracked me down even, I mean, and so that's that's the kind of business that you want, and you can, like I said, you can pick and choose, I mean, those people really wanted me and I knew how well they they were to work for and so forth and so I chose to go ahead and have them as as clients um that's the thing with consulting you get to pick and choose who you want to do work for and what kind of work you want to do when you first get into it it, it's going to be pretty lean you know you have to build up a customer base and that's scary um you might want to work for another company for a while to to build up your skill set so that and also your confidence so that you know yes i can do that um i've been there i've i've seen this problem i can take care of it i know for a fact um that's not to say you can get into some deep trouble sometimes and think you know well i thought i could do this but um that's just it in general you know unexpected things will happen but um as far as consulting is concerned, that's that's what I like, is the ability to pick jobs that you find interesting um, and work with the clients that you like to work for, um, and also the ones that you know will pay you. That's
0: a big thing, yes. getting paid. Getting paid is very important.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, Patrick and I had talked a little bit ahead of time, and, and he knows from experience in my class that I had a lot of stories about doing this stuff for real in the real world if you would um at the computer store i did a lot of work for state government and uh and so the way that would work and by the way the way i got paid and you know different employers would do it different ways but um i got half of my billable time and this was a long time ago and so
0: Um, It may be completely different now, or you may find different businesses doing different ways. Oh
1: yeah, definitely. Um, What the way my deal with them worked was they gave me a very small salary, and basically the salary covered doing work for the company itself. So you know if we were having trouble with the network at the company, I you know that that was covered by that. You know not not billable time. So if you think about that for a second. You're going from what I was doing in hardware, which was a regular salary, and I knew how much I was getting every you know paycheck and, and that sort of thing, to basically having no idea what I was going to make and when would I make it.
0: It's almost, it's almost like a, a server a little bit, like a waitress or a server at a restaurant. They give you a very small base salary, and if you're good at your job, you get the tips.
1: Well, I kind of liken it to, uh, say, like a lawyer or a doctor, um, they're if if you're a lazy lawyer and you don't do any work you don't get any you can't bill out any time Mm -hmm. Uh, a doctor if they don't see any patients they're not going to make any money and so the same thing was true for me and you know it was kind of scary to to make the jump and say okay you know i'm going to do this because i did not have um a, a client base where i had been supporting them and so I had to kind of hustle around, and, you know, when jobs would come in, I would say, hey, I'd be glad to do that one, you know, or whatever.
0: Well, some of that 50%, I mean, if they're taking 50% from you, is some of that the idea that they're going to help try to, uh, if a company calls them, they're going to recommend you? I mean, I would have to think some of that is marketing for you on on their part.
1: Well, keep in mind, I was a full-time employee of the company. It's not like I was a third party that, that was on tap for the, the company to kind of, you know, bill me out. I, I worked there full time. I okay. had benefits, you know.
0: Oh, okay. So, so that benefits part came with the meager salary, but then anything you did under their, yeah. under their umbrella got 50%. Okay. Yeah.
1: So at that time, like I say, this was a long time ago. And so, uh, gosh, way too long ago. Now that I think about it. But <laughs> we were billing out time then at $90 an hour. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, if I went to work for somebody and I spent five hours, then I would get 45 times five. And uh, it sounds fantastic. You know, hey, that's $45 an hour. That's still pretty, pretty good nowadays. But um, the thing is, uh, you didn't get paid till the company got paid. Right. And so you might bill it out, you know, now, and then you don't see it for a month or longer. And so you really don't know when the company's going to get paid and you're going to get your money in your paycheck. So you might get a really dismal paycheck and you're like, oh, oh, man, you know, what are we going to eat this week or whatever? And then the next week you get this monstrous paycheck where several jobs come in and you're like, woohoo, you know, this is great. So you have to be really good at managing your money and not spending it when a big chunk comes in so that you have it in your bank account when things are lean, you know. And so –
0: Well, even when people, even when you bill people, there's that whole, um, what's it called, net 90? Yeah,
1: we would do net 30. Okay. Um, And what that means is that we would bill it out and we expected our payment in 30 days. You know, the the balance of what was owed was due in 30 days. Now, as you know, uh, sometimes that's not how it goes. (laughs) And so... um,
0: Sometimes it becomes like net 360.
1: (laughs) Yeah, or when when are they ever going to pay um uh, an example that i ran into with this is um i had a client that um, was a you know a professional business i won't say what they did for for a living but um it caused me not to ever want to work for someone in this profession again i will say that but um this person had uh they had two locations and they wanted to open up another location and offices you know a professional business and um, i had been doing work for them you know before but um, they wanted to upgrade all of their you know their systems at the two locations that they had and then wanted to network in the third location and so they wanted all new hardware and um, they wanted you know, everybody to be able to talk to everybody else and that sort of thing. So I gave them a, a quote on the hardware, which I did not make money on hardware. I got together with our salesman, and we would often work together like that. He would give a quote on hardware. I would give a quote on the um, the support or whatever was required, and uh, it would be a package deal. So anyway, uh, we got the hardware. I did all the work, put it in there. And at the time, I talked to this person, and he said, "Um, would it be okay if I pay for this with a credit card? I want the frequent flyer miles. And I said, okay. Now, that cost the company about 3% Mm -hmm.
0: to
1: to take it with a credit card. A lot of people don't know that, you know, you, you pay a percentage when you accept a credit card. But anyway, we said yes, we would go ahead and do that. Well, the net 30 part comes and goes, you know, I, I went in, everything was working fine. Everybody was happy. And, uh, and so then net 30 comes and goes. Now keep in mind, I am not a bill collector. I am an IT systems engineer, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, our, we had someone, you know, that worked there office manager that, that was responsible for that. Well, um, about 60 days had gone by and so she comes to me and she says hey such and such has not paid their bill can you call them well I hate that you know I'm not a bill collector but I did call and I said hey everything going okay and he said yeah sure is you know and so I said well do you recall you said that you know you would like to pay with a credit card and I said it was okay and he says yeah and I said well it's been 60 days and we've had to pay our vendor for the hardware and um and i said you know you said everything was going well you know he said oh i have to meet with my accountant and figure out you know how we're gonna put this down on the books and everything so i said okay fine when's that gonna be he said thursday i said okay fine thursday comes and goes another thursday comes and goes still no pay so I call him back, and he said, oh, yeah, I still haven't gotten with him yet, you know. And I said, so when is that going to be, do you think? And he says, oh, I don't know, probably sometime next week. And I said, okay. Long story short, it just kept going on. Finally, um, I called him up one day, and I said, listen, you know, we really need to get this taken care of. And, uh, and I said, you know, when can you pay? And he said, well, sue me then. <laughs> and I said, what? And he said, sue me. And I, I said, what do you mean? He said, "If you want your money, you know, that quick, just go ahead and sue me for it." Well, I did want to sue him for it, but my boss <laughs> said, "No, we're not going to do that." And, and so that's I another said, problem
0: too when you're working for a company. Exactly, you don't you aren't you yeah. aren't the boss to say I am going to sue that person.
1: I mean, you know, it was my money on the line. You know, they had their stake in it too, their half, but I was not able to to do anything about it um, on my own. And so, um, anyway. Time comes and goes, you know, and and I said, well, let's just go down there and pick up our equipment.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: legally, turns out you can't do that either. Really? Yes, um, you can't just show up and say that's my stuff. I want it back. You have to go to court and and go through. It. Well, I mean, might as well just been suing them for the payment, right? right?
0: Because you're gonna have to pay the court system uh, court oh, yeah. costs. You're gonna have to pay. An you're attorney. gonna lose even more money there, exactly, hoping and, you win
1: unless your contract with the. Um, your client says that if there's a dispute between you that you will sue for court costs too, you can't do that. Wow. Um, it, it has to be in the contract. So you have to be very specific when you, you know, start your relationship with someone as far as the, your business is concerned. But um, I just want to tell you what goes around comes around. Okay. And, and it always does. I've seen this over and over and over again. And so it does. So finally, out of the blue one day you know months had gone by Mm -hmm. and i get this phone call from the owner of the company and he says hey buddy how's it going and i said hey buddy i need he says he says hey buddy how's it going i um i need you to come by and and do some work on this and that you know i need to to be able to do this i need to be able to do that and i said hey buddy i need to check (laughs) And he said, oh, no, that's okay. I got a check. And I said, oh, no, no. Not only do I need a check for what you owe me, I'm going to need a check for what I do today. And uh, he said, okay, okay. And I said, because if I get there and there isn't a check for what you owe me and what I'm going to do, I will sue you. I mean, I, I was to that point. And so, of course, he didn't know my boss had said I couldn't do that. So, anyway, I got there. And, of course, he wasn't there. Big chicken but he did leave two checks. And so I went ahead and I did the work that they needed. I got paid for the original job. I got paid for what I did that day. So then a few weeks later, he (laughs) called me up and he says, Hey, I need you to come by to do such and such. And I said, Hey, I don't work for people who don't pay my bill. And so, you know, I will not do any more work for you and, uh, or anyone in your profession. And so, uh, that was that was an an interesting situation so Um,
0: it worked out that by the end you were square with that person but you made sure that you didn't have to incur any more debt
1: exactly i was not gonna sink any more of my time uh into that person's business and then have to wait around for months and months and months to get it or maybe not get it ever um and so um you know Patrick and I had also talked about uh, another situation where um the owner of a company may not necessarily know what's going on with its employees as right. far as you know how they're treating you as as a consultant and
0: um well you know you, you were saying there I just want to jump something in here sure. a second you said there with the uh, what goes around comes around thing i, I find being a consultant to be a double-edged sword if you're a good consultant you get in you get the job done you get it done efficiently yeah you may be charging nine dollars an hour but you got the job the job done in two hours some other slob might have come in and taken nine or ten hours and they may have to come back but yes. good consultants get the job done in a timely fashion and that's great you hope they call you back because you got it done fast and efficiently but that's also a double-edged sword for the fact that you need money to live Yes. And so, when you get it done efficiently, you don't get paid nearly as much.
1: Well, you may charge more than than the the slob that took nine hours, um, and that you may need to sell yourself and you say exactly what you just mentioned. You know, yes, you might be able to get somebody for cheaper, but it's going to take them longer. They're going to bill you more hours. I mm-hmm. can come in and get it done in a shorter amount of time and get you up and running. And productive again, right, and in a much shorter amount of time, you know you don 't have so much downtime,
0: but the reason that everyone was calling you back was because you did get everything working correctly, you were cordial with them, um, also, I find a lot of i t people well, they can start off this way, and this may this may be a bit of a stereotype now. But a lot of people used to be like the Saturday Night Live skit, the the Nick Burns, the company computer guy, yes. where you walk in there and someone asks you a question and you immediately belittle the person or you you say, "What an ignorant question to ask me! How or, dare you?" Or you, you just
1: use you know tech terms that the average person does not understand, yeah. just to show how much you know and and they don't. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a stereotype because I still hear that from employers that. One of the biggest things they want from new hires, especially in IT, is people soft skills, being able to deal with people. And I will tell you, that has been one of the biggest uh, factors in my success is the ability to talk to people, not down to them uh, and not to belittle them in any way, but to talk to them at at the level that they understand. And, and that really takes some experience on your part. You know, you, you need to talk to them, find out where they are. And then if you can, you know, you got somebody that's fairly tech savvy, mm-hmm. you can talk to them about, you know, you have a RAID 5 array in this server and that is going to protect their data. Mm-hmm. And you can have a hard drive fail and, and, you know, they won't lose anything. On the other hand, though, a lot of people have, you know, RAID. Yeah, that's what I use to kill roaches, mm-hmm. you know, so... You you're gonna to talk to them and say, you know, we have this this big storage area in this server here, which is where all your stuff is just saved. And um one part of it can, can break and go down and you still don't lose anything. You know, they don't wanna know that how many hard drives are in there and, right. and is it a SCSI or Firewire, you know. They don't wanna know that kind of stuff. They just want to know that, hey, um, even if a piece of the hardware fails, they still have all their data. You know, they're not going to lose anything. So to be able to talk to them at the level that they understand, and it's it's hard. You know, you, you have to talk to them about that. Right. Um, I, I mean, I, I'll give you an example of okay. something that I had. Uh, I had someone call me one day, and they said, "Are you a Novell CNE?" Mm-hmm. This was just out of the blue, uh, and I said, "Yes, I am." And this is a national uh, organization, by the way. Okay. And, and so they said, could, could you come and, uh, and take a look at our system? The person that we have now said that they have made the system, they configured the system so obscurely that nobody could come behind them and, and figure it out.
0: Job security.
1: Yeah. And, and that's what the person actually said to them. They said, that's what I call job security. And just so happens I had already been to a few uh, other companies that this person had already, you know, obscured and said that nobody could come behind him, and and I straightened them out, too. So When you're in a
0: small town, you learn about all the consultants. I I
1: said, uh, would this happen to be such and such? And they said yes, and I said, well, I have been to a couple of other companies and had no problem straightening things out, so – you don't do that kind of thing you know i mean can you imagine someone telling you that they screwed your system up so well that you couldn't go to anybody else so that you had to come to them
0: i would have to think these days you could sue a person for that
1: uh i I don't know Uh. i I don't know about that i I mean it it was running it Mm -hmm. did what they said that it would do but i'm
0: saying it's their equipment so yeah. for you to block them out of it, that seems like...
1: It, it didn't block them out. What, right. what this guy did, and, and I mean, it was just crazy. He, he would... Uh, this was on Novell, and you had a lot of um, batch files and, and scripts that you could call. And so he would nest his calls inside he would have a batch file that called a script that called a batch file that called something else you know and yeah it took some time to sit down and figure out what was he actually trying to do here but after i straightened out a couple of others i was pretty hip to the way he would try to you know hide things Mm -hmm. um and so he wasn't locking them out of their system he was just making it difficult to uh figure out how he was doing some of the stuff you know Uh, if, if he said here, you know, call, you run this batch file and it would work, then that was okay for them. But if they wanted to change something, he would have it nested back and forth so many ways they couldn't figure out. They had to call him. Yeah, they they had to call him. And man, that just drove me crazy. But but it it also
0: provided me with quite a bit of business. Well, it drove them crazy enough to call somebody who wasn't their normal IT guy and take a risk on an unknown. Exactly. So I think the the old adage is true. What is it? You get more you get more uh, flies with honey than vinegar. Yeah, you catch more
1: flies with honey than you do with vinegar. That's yeah. right.
0: But also I think I think that mentality of of people talking down is that they're you were saying earlier you need to get confidence in yes. yourself. If if someone had confidence in themselves, they wouldn't be worried about talking down to the client. They wouldn't be worried about locking the client out because they would know that when the client had a problem they would be called exactly. because they know their the
1: work would stand for itself. Yes. Um, and the client somebody, would see that. Yeah. If, if you're confident, you, you're not trying to prove that to somebody else that you are, you know, I am the tech guy. Uh, I, you, your work will stand on its own and they will see that you, you are the man. Hey, you know, mm-hmm. um, if I call this person, he is going to get it fixed, you mm-hmm. know? And that's a great feeling on your part too, as a consultant, they, they, um, it can be kind of scary (laughs) because you, you, you're it. Mm -hmm. You don't have somebody to, to, you know, level three tech support to throw it up to. You are the person, the buck stops with you, but also that's why you make the big bucks, but also, um, for them to have that much faith in you. I mean, it feels great. Mm -hmm. They, you walk in and they're like, Oh, thank goodness you're here. Um, we we need you so much, you know. Here, fix it and and you get it done. It's it's great. So you're right. It is a double-edged sword. But um, I do find that the people that belittle their customers or talk down to them or throw out all these you know tech jargon and stuff, they're trying to prove, you know that that they are tech savvy and you know try to try to impress the customer with BS almost. And and that's no good if. You can get a rapport with your customer. Like, if I come in and I just start talking down to you and I make you feel stupid, are you going to want to pay me money to come in and make you feel stupid? Right. If, If they have a choice to pick somebody who comes in and makes them feel stupid at such and such dollars an hour, or they can call somebody else that you know, explains to them what's going on at a level that they can understand and makes them feel comfortable and still gets the job done, who are they going to call?
0: And maybe even charge more.
1: Oh, yeah, because you can charge more. They're like, you know, this guy, he he charges more, but he spends half the time and I like him, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's... That's a well, big thing. I mean, even
0: even if it's like they're both here three hours, but the nice guy charges ninety dollars an hour, I'd rather make my money be give me nice time as opposed to belittling time. <laughs> yes.
1: You know, I'll spend the extra money just to be comfortable with this person. Yeah. Right. That's true. So that's
0: true. Well, to to get back to the story you were about ready to lead into, a problem that can occur, kind of even relating back to your, your last um your last talking point about the person who didn't pay you is as a consultant, you do not want to necessarily jump off the handle and burn bridges immediately. Because maybe in that case, if it was if that guy was the the boss of the business, then and, you and knew he was, yeah, and you knew he he held the purse strings. But there's a possibility that when you get into larger businesses, you may not know well i guess what i'm saying is the boss may not be the one paying you that's correct and so if you have a very very good client and you would like to maintain business with them if they haven't paid you in a couple months sometimes it pays not to fly off the handle and and burn a bridge that the the boss may not even know about yes and that kind of leads into your story (laughs) yeah uh
1: this was this was another fairly large company different uh different business but they uh they were a large company and they, they're in, uh, or we're in, I haven't checked lately, but we're, we're in Charleston. And, um, and so the way that we build, um, was we would bill, including travel time and, uh, you would have to sell that to customers too and explain why they should pay you while you're riding in the car. Um, and the way that works is you can very easily say, listen, um, from the time that I leave my office here to the time I get back, I'm working for you. Uh, Even if I'm in the car driving, I'm not able to do work for anybody else. And so I often found if you would just plainly explain it that way and just say, you know, um, until I get back here, I can't do anything for anybody else. And so um, that's that's how we did business. That's how we built. This customer knew that, you know, because I had set up their network I've been doing work for them for quite, quite a while. And so, but they did have someone that did that worked there that, you know, paid the bills like an accountant, not really a CPA an outside type of accountant, but did the accounting for the business and paid all the bills the utilities and all that stuff. Well, our company at Christmas time would, would close down for a week. Mm -hmm. And so the business itself was closed. And so, um, if we had to go out at a at a time like that when when we were not open really uh, or after hours, we would charge time and a half. Well, uh, this client had a problem; their server went down, and we were off on Christmas break. They called, um, you know, we had an answering service, and they got in touch with me, and so I went, you know, from home on my Christmas break. I drove up to Charleston. I got got them up and running everything was good hey great job you know that sort of thing and um and I left well I billed them for travel time and I build them at time and a half well uh when it came time for them to pay the bill their person that did the accounting that paid the bills calls up uh our office manager and says hey I'm not paying time and a half for this and I'm not paying travel time either well First of all, travel time, they've been paying travel time forever. You know, they knew about that. Right. Um, And so they just refused to do that. And so um, the owner of the company sent a salesman from the Charleston store over to essentially cut a deal.
0: The owner of your company. The
1: owner of my company sent someone, because she worked out of the Charleston store. She sent a salesman from the Charleston store, a salesman, to to settle my pay.
0: Your IT pay. You not know, my your, IT not yourself. pay yeah, my IT pay,
1: you know, out of my wallet. And so what he does is he goes over there, and now see, he had sold them the hardware mm-hmm. that I installed. on. So he got all of his money when, when he did, you know, they paid the bill for that he made sure he got his yeah oh yeah he got his money and so he goes over now and he's going to take money out of my pocket and so he says yeah don't worry about the time and a half or the travel time just you know go ahead and pay us for the the time that he was here so I was furious when I found that out and I said hey how about next time you make a sale I go to your client and I tell you hey don't worry about you know paying for this or that he he doesn't need that commission it's not a problem Mm -hmm. so I said don't ever do that to me again and uh, and so, uh, at that point, I said in my mind, "Okay, fine. You know, I'm not going to do any more work for you, though, if that's the way you're going to be." Right. Well, um, a month or two, like I say, what goes around comes around. But
0: but you got paid in that instance, just not what you were expecting, not what was agreed I got upon. paid
1: just for my time on site, right? At the regular billable right. rate,
0: which is still going to make you mad. Oh yeah, because it was what was expected was not paid
1: it, exactly, and it's not like we sprung something on them either. You mm-hmm. know, a, a new a new kind of a system or something. You know, and so um, a few months went by. And uh, and when I got done talking to the salesman up in our Charleston location, I said, you know, and I'm not going to do any more work for these people either. Oh, no, no, don't be that way. Because, see, he's thinking, hey, they're going to want to buy some stuff, and yeah. I'm going to miss out on a commission. And I said, uh-uh, uh, that's fine. You made your deal. You live with it. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, like I say, a few months went by, and one one of the owners, it was a partnership. One of the owners called me up, and we had had a great relationship. I mean, we really did. Um, I turned them on to Quake Arena, actually. And (laughs) at lunchtime, you know, there were all these cubes, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The owners bought Quake Arena. And all these add-ons too. And at lunchtime, practically the entire company would be hunting each other down inside Quake Arena. Yeah. And um, I mean, it was a blast just to watch them, you know. And so we had a great relationship. And so he calls me up and he says, hey, um, I need you to to come by and do some work for us. And I said, hey, I'm sorry, but I, I can't work for you guys anymore. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, because of you know, do you remember when I came there at Christmas time and, you know, we were off and everything? He said, Yeah, I really appreciated that. You got us up and running, you know, and, and uh, I, I, I appreciate it. And I said, Well, such and such wouldn't pay my bill. And he said, What? And I said, Yeah, she said, uh, she told us that, you know, she was not going to pay time and a half and she was not going to pay travel time and she wouldn't pay the bill unless, you know, it was just my time on, on site. Right. And he said, Let me call you back. And so he called me back in about a half an hour and he said, I am so sorry. I had no idea that that was going on. And he said, I promise you that will never, ever happen again. And so that was a perfect example of where um, one of his employees had done something, taken it on her own mm-hmm. uh, initiative to say, no, I'm not doing that, as if the money was coming out of her pocket. Right. And uh, and so the— But,
0: of course, you never got your extra you needed.
1: No. Now, I, I did actually talk to the owner of the company, and I said, you know, this was not right that you did me this way, mm-hmm. that you sent this person over— to negotiate my pay right and and i had no involvement in it and Mm -hmm. she said okay uh what we'll do is um i'll pay or the company will pay your travel time
0: so your so your own company reimbursed
1: you yeah out of their 50 percent of my my billable time they they paid for my travel time but i did not get the time and a half so uh i mean I, i did get paid <clears throat> not what it should have been but it was still you know it wasn't as if I came away with nothing right and uh, and so anyway um you may find and, and I have found this in more than one situation where uh the person paying the bills almost acts as if the money is coming out of their pocket right and uh and so
0: They're they're doing it for the good of the company.
1: Yeah, right. It it, it feels to them as if it's their money, I guess. Mm -hmm. But um, in this case, it it caused a a real problem, and the owner was not aware of it at Mm -hmm. all until he happened to call. Now, if that person had called and said, we need you to come up here and do this, I would have said, no way. Mm -hmm. And so— In this case, I had a good relationship with him and he called me directly and I said, you know, I'm sorry. I just can't do it because of what happened. And he's like, what happened? Right. And when I explained it to him, he, you know, apparently had a talk Mm -hmm. with that person and said, you know, you don't do this, you know. Hmm. So anyway.
0: So, yeah, don't. don't, Yeah. I guess the thing is. From even these two situations, don't immediately, abruptly, burn a bridge. Yeah. Maybe I would f-
1: have done some burning on the first one there for sure right. if I'd have had a chance. But my my boss had a more level head, I guess, at the time and said, no, we're not going to sue them, you know. Right. Um, right. But anyway, yeah. It, what goes around comes around, mm-hmm. though. I, I'm telling you, you you'll you see it. If, if they try to, to do you wrong now mm-hmm. down the road, they're going to need you. And yeah. you'll be able to get... To get what you need out mm-hmm. of the situation, um, and then or at least say,
0: uh, at least enough to cut them loose. Yes, to cut your losses, and, and get say, some back.
1: You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that for you anymore because of the way you did
0: me. So right. Well, I know where I was doing consulting. Um, we had, we had our our big bread and butter contract basically, which around here was uh, with the local cable company, Century. Uh, century cable was here and this was around the time that at home was was the big rage uh-huh. uh, and so we had the cable modem contract where wouldn't, i wouldn't install that i wouldn't call it a retainer but i would just say we had a very active partnership where we got paid per installation we made uh-huh. so when i got brought in that was my job they're like, you know, this is this is like A-plus stuff. You're putting in a network card. You're cleaning out their AOL settings. You're getting them up and going. And uh, wow. AOL. That, was, wow. that was like, I mean, that was really throwing you on the front line sometimes because you would run into e-machines that had um, things soldered into them that you couldn't actually plug in oh, an gosh. ISA or a PCI uh, network card. So you'd have to go with a USB network card. I saw some hideous computers back then. But we also had some some retainers for some companies we had, too. And so what did you say you all called us? We,
1: we called them service contracts. Okay. Where and, and the way we did it was we would say, okay, um, we will. you will sign up for, say, 25 hours mm-hmm. or 10 hours or whatever of billable time per month. And we would give a small discount, mm-hmm. say, you know, if it was $90 an hour that we were building out, we might do it for uh, 80 or 75 say. Okay. If it was a lot of hours, it, we might do it for 75 Right. And then um, we would tell them that, that additional hours could be purchased for that same rate. It's almost but,
0: like insurance for them.
1: Yes. And so uh, I will tell you, though, that a lot of times they would not you know use say the 20 hours or whatever so near the end of the month they're all calling you saying hey um i need you to come over and sweep the floor or whatever you know (laughs) around around this computer you know so i get my 20 hours worth but um that is a a way to make sure that you have some sort of a steady income that you can count on so because
0: that was us yeah we had to have a bit of a steady income to make sure we had some money coming in yes Uh, and then you could also open up those those other projects so that was that was really big for us um and and that's a good way to go too if you can
1: if you can once you've got a track record with with a customer you can mm -hmm. present that to them and say you know um you know i've gone back and i've looked and i'm billing you you know this many hours a month pretty much you know you could save some money if you wanted to you know go to a service contract and Mm -hmm. i could bill you you know this much per hour for this many hours a Mm -hmm. month and um sell try to sell it to them that way. And I am not a salesman once again, Mm -hmm. but, um, when you present it that way, uh, the, the person paying the bills can see that that would be a good way to save some money. Yeah. Usually so. Yeah. I mean,
0: it usually makes sense if you're having to shell out that much money and someone's offering you that on a, on an average basis, you're going to shell out less. That's usually a, a win-win situation for both because you've got steady income. That's true. Now you said a lot of your all's jobs were state
1: Yes, we did. Uh, I mean man, uh at one point I was probably doing 80% of all, of all my work was done for uh state agencies and things like that. I've
0: and, never done anything state. I mean, I've heard you got to take a civil service test, so well i mean give us an idea that that would be if
1: if you worked for the state i guess i I don't really know i mean like as an employee
0: i thought you had it even for contracting work i thought
1: well unless they've changed it, Uh it it wasn't that way but you had to go through quite a vetting process i mean um you you provided you know financial information on the company and uh, you had to be like bonded, okay, and and that sort of thing, because let's face it, you could get into a state agency and you could totally hose them up, and uh, and make them, you know, inoperable, right. if you want to look at it that way. And so, um, you had to become qualified to bid on state contracts, and so um, this was a long time ago, but they would put up things on a bulletin board service which was contracts that needed to be bid on and they're called RFQs and they're, mm-hmm. they're still called that a lot of times from big companies um request for quotation um and so in that document they would say they would you know itemize exactly what they wanted done um what kind of hardware they might want or what kind of service they wanted provided and then you, as the vendor, would sit down with that and figure out what you needed to bid to or wanted to bid on that particular job. And then if you were the low bidder and you were qualified, then you would you would get that particular job. And so um, very often you would be on a, a job like that and, you know, you would get a purchase order for that particular Job, Mm -hmm. Um, And so you would get there, and you you kind of felt sorry for some of these people because they had, like, no IT of their own maybe in their department. And so it was kind of like people who were just starving for help and so they would be you'd be
0: and you were the guy walking through the town with big old loaves of bread and they're yeah, all coming exactly to you, please you know, sir please
1: and uh 20 dollar bills hanging out of your pockets and stuff and they're like please <laughs> help me and so uh you would get there and you'd be fixing things that you were getting paid to do and they'd say well, while you're here oh gosh how many times i've heard that while you're here could you do could you just take a look at such and such and i mean every now and then i would go ahead and do that and especially when i first started doing it because i was just trying to build some goodwill and everything but Mm -hmm. um eventually you'd get so tied up working on these while you're here's things um and so i finally got to where i would just say I, i would be glad to help you with that but i have to have a po for for that right and um and i'm here working on this particular job here with this po and if you were nice about it you know, and calm, and say, I would love to help you. Um, Then a lot of times they would say, okay, how much is that going to cost? And you could tell them, and you'd get that too, you know, so if you played your cards right, you would get additional work. Um, You you didn't just want to say, no, I can't do that. You know, it's not on the PO. Mm -hmm. Um, That's usually called uh, scope creep in project management, Um, you know, where uh they want to add something later on you know after you've already made your agreement and said you know this is what we are contracting to do in this amount of time for this amount of money it will do these particular things you Mm -hmm. know those are like the three legs of project management and if you alter one of them the other two suffer you know and so uh i like i say a lot of my success has been to be able to talk to people, um, and in a way that's pleasant to them and they can understand, and then they come away feeling good, and you can get a lot of business that way. So, uh, it's worked out really well for me.
0: Well, I know on that same line too, you've also talked about that when at the very end, when they're trying to keep you there, maybe maybe you've agreed with the state to do this giant one month project. And you have all these objectives laid out. That as you start to get near the end, they may be like, "Well, I'm I don't know if I want to release the pay because I'm pretty sure you haven't done this, this, and this." You used to always talk about in class where when you get a certain objective done, have them sign off on it. Then yeah, don't milestones. wait. Yeah, don't wait till the end because then at the end, then they may be in a different mindset, or they may be trying to keep you there longer. So kind of make them sign off on it when they're happy when they're not having to write the check
1: yes um and actually like the department wouldn't even write the check even it it would be um you know the the state auditor's office or whoever it was that that actually did that but um yeah on on the uh, on the request for quotation um they would have set down what they expected and so if you would uh get to a point where you had completed that particular phase of the project or whatever, you would just have them sign off on that particular milestones Mm -hmm. or what they're called in project management again. um, And I think everybody, every IT person should take a project management class just because for one thing, uh, a huge majority of the IT projects that fail, Mm -hmm. fail because of poor project management or no experience with project management at all. And so... To be able to break the job up into pieces or milestones and say, okay, I'm to this point right here. It works great for reports, um, status updates for people, you know, hey, we're this percent in, we've got these things accomplished. And um, you can go to the person that's responsible for that department or whatever and say, okay, uh, here we are. This is up and running. Um, I can show it, demonstrate it to you, test it for you. And then have them sign off on that. And that does avoid the problem that you're talking about where it can be a really big project and they're they're like, I I don't remember going over such and such. I'm not sure if this is working or not. If you have already had them sign off on that, Mm -hmm. you can say here, you know, here we are. They can see their own signature on the earlier milestones. And so, you know, all you're asking them to sign off on is between the last time they signed off and now. And so, it's like okay yeah only this last piece was was necessary and i can see you got that done so um
0: and we're, we're it people we're not we're not payroll we're not salesmen so we don't often see the amount of um billable hours that are going into something so having a timeline that says three weeks on phase one and the bean counters actually know how much money that's billable time. Yes. If, you, if you don't have timelines for your milestones, you have no idea as an IT person whether you're behind or whether you're on schedule or you're ahead of schedule.
1: And you can't show that to anybody either. Like, mm-hmm. they're wondering where you're at, and you don't even really know yourself. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you that being able to create that kind of document, too, um, as an IT person um, – Man, there was a period during the 90s, pretty much, that was the IT bubble, right? Mm-hmm. And so you didn't even have to, to make a case to anybody of why you wanted this new hardware. It was just the, the latest, greatest whiz-bang thing. And it's like, oh, here's a pile of money. Go buy that, you know. <laughs> and so um, nowadays you cannot do that. And we're starting to come out of, um, you know, kind of a dry period, and companies are are hiring uh, IT people back again mm-hmm. and um, they're doing it because they have put off projects for quite a while now. And basically they're starting to get their budgets back also. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, this is just a little bit off topic, but um, in the past, a lot of times it, the, it, IT people, it was very specific what you did. You know, I am a I'm an MCSE. I'm a Microsoft specialist. Um, what I'm starting to see now is uh it um, employers are starting to look for kind of a jack of all trades once again it Mm -hmm. used to be that way because you kind of had to know a little bit about everything and now it's getting back to that because they don't want to hire a specialist that is only good in one area they're looking for people who who know about a lot of different areas and
0: want bang for their buck
1: Exactly, why should I have to hire five different people when I could hire two people who really know what they're doing in a lot of different things, so just as an aside um take as many different areas as you can, get certified in as many different areas as you can because you never know what certification or um training that you've had will get you the job that mm-hmm. you have gone in you know to uh
0: or you may have the people go, "Oh, I know you're here for this." Would you all? Do you also know how to do voice over IP?
1: Yeah, because then, um, then you we, we have a, an opening in that department, and it actually pays more, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Because
0: if you don't know, it, then you can't be like, uh, "Get me another PO," because you, yeah. you'd be like, "No, let me let me pass it on to somebody else who's going to make that money."
1: Yeah. Um, and and I, I will tell you, I mean there uh, there were times when you know I would tell the uh, the department, you know, you need to require certifications Mm -hmm. and you need to require them to provide the certificate because there were people who were saying oh yeah we're certified in that sure
0: are you are you referring to when you would go to a company and you'd work somewhere they'd say they have an mcse
1: like at, at the state they oh, would send out an RFQ, and uh-huh. it would say, "We want you know an MCSE to perform this particular job," mm-hmm. and people would bid on it. And I knew for a fact they didn't have an MCSE, right? And so um, they would they would win because they didn't have an MCSE, so they weren't paying somebody right. at that level. And so I would I, I would help the uh, the agency to help write their RFQ so that they could get what they really wanted, which mm-hmm. was somebody certified in that area. And I would say, you know. Tell them that they need to provide the, the certificate, mm-hmm. you know, a copy of the certificate. Because if they've got the person, they have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. If they don't, then they shouldn't be bidding on it. You but know, it also helps kind of you
0: deal. with the to keep the integrity of the, of the certification. The, the certification there. Yeah. yeah. If somebody
1: comes in and says they're an MCSE or uh, an MCITP or mm-hmm. any of these new ones, and um, they they don't do work worth a crap. Mm-hmm. Then it makes it seem like all people with that certification right. don't know what they're doing. So yeah, that's yeah, true. That's true.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, it's been a been a great talk. I, I hope a lot of people have um have at least gotten a, a taste of what it could be like out there. I hope we haven't turned you off to it. It is it is a very exciting area to be in, especially if you decide to go it your own way because then you are your own boss and you get to pick your own people you want to work for. But That's also a bit of a double edged sword, because then you are the sole person who's trying to make sure that you keep the money rolling into your. Oh, yeah. And for your wages.
1: But you know what? If you want to be excited and um, kind of maybe surprised, uh, you don't get into a rut in this job no Um, everything is different all the time you never know what's going to crop up what the next job's going to be what the next emergency somebody's going to have is and so you do not get bored you don't get in a rut um sometimes you can be blindsided and like oh my gosh you know i'll be there you know right Mm -hmm. away or whatever but um it's it's not dull
0: but it also it does also put your skills to the test as well because um you're not in a classroom setting. It's not like you can call your professor and be like, "Hey, uh, I got a problem, such and such." I, I used to, when they were still open and around, I used to regularly go up to Borders of a night and start perusing through their <laughs> Going books. Through the books, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I got a bad problem. Wonder if I can solve it here. And maybe that's why I Borders is out of business now. <laughs> but but we still have TechNet. We still, you still have Google as long as you're okay with them tracking your every move, or you St- have Bing. Start ben, Page. Or yeah, yeah, Start Page. So something that won't actually data mine all your stuff. But yes. but the internet becomes your friend because when you are your own boss, you answer no one higher than yourself. And oh, then yeah. that means you have to go out and look for the information yourself.
1: And I, I will tell you that there have been so many times that when I figured something out, and I have another point I want to make real quick okay, here, but yeah, sure. I, I don't want to forget it. But you fix something and you look back on it and you're like, how the heck did I think of that? Mm-hmm. You know, your mind in the background has been working, you know, trying to figure out what the problem is. Mm-hmm. And um, and so uh, it, it will have been something so bizarre or so off the wall. And you're like, man, what made me think of that?
0: Or you'll just sleep on it for the All, night. the
1: sleep on it. Gosh, I've woken up. I don't know how many times in the middle of the night be like two o'clock in the morning. and You're like, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's what's wrong, you know, and you were beating yourself to death during the day. You know, you were there all day and and, you know, you're you're just exhausted because you've tried you've tried what you thought was everything. And by the way, a lot of people in it are guys and we're well known for not wanting to stop and get directions or (laughs) ask for help. Right. And so uh, don't be don't be that way. Um I have what I call my 1 hour rule where I will bang my head against the wall for 1 hour until I get a big lump on there and then I say I'm asking somebody something. Mm-hmm. And so I will call um vendor support, I will call somebody that like a colleague or whatever and I can't tell you how many times in that situation where you think you've tried everything and I've been on both sides of this, you think you've tried everything and so somebody is walking by, you know one of your colleagues is walking by and you're like, "Hey man, um you got any idea what this could be? I've tried this, this, and this, and this. And they're like, oh, how about such and such? (laughs) And you're like, oh my gosh, that's it. You Mm -hmm. know? And I've been the guy walking by going, hey, how about trying such and such? And Mm -hmm. I've been the person who was like, oh man, I've tried everything. Can you think of what this is? Right. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's just, you know, don't be a guy. (laughs) Don't, don't cave into your natural nature not to ask for help. So, Mm -hmm. Um,
0: but you know another good thing to throw in there is once you have the Eureka moment, once you know what the problem is and once you fixed it, I know it's against our normal tendency because we want to be lazy. But how about you write that down yes. so that three years from now, when you're saying to yourself, you know, this feels really familiar. Yeah. I think I've been I, in the same... I
1: this one time before, but I can't remember what it was.
0: Write it down. Because when you work for a company, they're going to expect you to document how you did it because they don't want to pay you a second time oh, yes. to do something you've already fixed the first time.
1: My boss always used to say, what happens if you get hit by a bus? and I was like she said that to me so many times I'm like you know does she is she, she got plans wish, here yeah. with the bus you know do what yeah. she has a death wish yeah uh, for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly but um, anyway you know um the the thing uh, documenting it is a, is a big thing so that Let's say you're not there anymore and somebody can come behind you. You don't want to be the guy that, that said, you know, my stuff is so obscure. Nobody could figure it out afterwards. You know, you want to be the guy. It's like, Oh, here, I see where where he did such and such. That was it.
0: Right. Anyway. Well, um, just to wrap up here a second before we, before we finish it up, you, you are no longer here at Mount West, but you're now over at OU. So we're going to have a podcast eventually where we talk about the articulation that, MCTC now has with OU where you can go and get your associate's degree here, and you can move on and complete your four-year degree at OU. And, Do you happen to know what the name of that? Yes, is called? it's called a
1: Bachelor of Technical and Applied Studies, and okay. uh, and so it's it's where you basically bring in your two-year technical degree, mm-hmm. and then um, you build your own four-year degree mm-hmm. uh, it's really really flexible and you can kind of concentrate on the areas that that you're interested in and um you know in a two-year degree you're so pressed for time you know mm-hmm. you, you have so many things that you want to get in there and the majority of that stuff is the juicy technical stuff you know yeah that's the me good, right now the good classes and so Or what we think of as the good classes. right? And so, um, but in in a four-year bachelor's degree, you also need to be uh, a well-rounded student. And so you need to have have had a a lot of um, general education things that we don't get a chance to go through in a limited two years. So... um, Normally, in a four-year program, what you do is you knock those out first. You you have your general ed things, math and science and, and uh, humanities and all that kind of thing. And then you get to what we think of as the good stuff, which is the stuff that you really want to learn. Right. Um, with the Bachelor of Technical and Applied Studies, it, we almost are doing the, the degree backwards. You come in having taken those juicy IT classes, and um, you you're need to pick up some of those other things that, that make the four-year degree what it is. And so, you, But it's also very flexible. You can sit down and pick and choose um, a lot of, there's a lot of options there as far as classes are concerned, so it's really flexible.
0: Another good thing about that diploma is that it actually has the word technical in the degree name. Yes, it does. So that would be good in case you're trying to get a generalized diploma, kind of. In that, like I have, I have a regents here from Marshall, but the problem with mine, and I've got it, and I love it. When it I tell some, say
1: IT when or I yeah. Or when anything. I tell
0: when I tell people I have a regents degree, which is a it's a bachelor's degree from Marshall where I kinda got to to piecemeal my stuff together as well. Nowhere does it say technical at all. Right. Hopefully in the in in the resume process of talking to them, i I've either written down that I majored in IT, which they now have majors for that. But when I did it, they didn't. Right. So hopefully I get the opportunity to sit down with the employer and say it's in some sort of technical field. Right, they
1: don't just throw your resume in the trash or something because yeah. it doesn't so say that.
0: in URLs it does actually mention that it's a technical Yes, because degree.
1: I will tell you, when if you go on Dice.com or you go to Career Builder or whatever and you look and see what employers are asking for, they're very, very much more specific about certifications that they mm-hmm. want. You know, must-have CCNA, must-be right. MCSE on Windows 2003. Um, and then they'll say, and must-have a two- or four-year degree in computer science or a related field right so um if you have technical and applied studies in there technical is telling them that that is maybe a related field you know and so you're going to have much less trouble selling that degree than you would for something that has nothing in it that says technical or it or mis or Mm -hmm. cis or anything like that so yeah i agree
0: and so that that's an opportunity we'll talk about um with someone over at OU, but uh, tell us about what you're doing now. Tell us about your degree options that you have over there as well.
1: Uh, I am the uh, director of computer science technology, which is a two-year degree program there mm-hmm. at OU. And um, we, we have a Cisco Academy. Um, we are offering several classes similar to what what you got here at mctc Mm -hmm. as far as uh classes that are geared towards different certifications you know Mm -hmm. um security plus a plus um we do not have an mcse program which i'm sorry to say but may be coming one of these days although microsoft is trying to stab the heart out of mcse um it it don't get me going on that one but um you know we do have the the Cisco program um and actually our Cisco uh, academy classes are you can take them completely online mm-hmm. if if you want and so that's been really um a a good way to go cuz we get you know OU has campuses all over the state mm-hmm. and so we're able to get people from from all over to come and or to to take those classes online which is kind of good so
0: and I'm sure I'm sure everyone out there knows what OU stands for, but just in case yeah, it's not, not
1: it's not the um red and uh and and silver group. It's not the Ohio State University, it's Ohio University right um green and white,
0: the Bobcats uh, right the
1: Bobcats, that's right. Um, and hey, they did happen to beat Marshall. We did this year, so oh, but um
0: yeah,'m I'm, I'm okay with that. yeah, right, yeah, yeah, And so since Pruitt left, it seems like everybody beats Marshall
1: oh it's a darn shame but uh you know it was a it was a nail biter last year and we lost at the very last minute and then this year we were able to come back and win so that was kind of good but um you know we we're uh kind of one of the best kept secrets i guess uh, around the area because a lot of people when they think of ohio university they think of southern which is in ironton which Mm -hmm. is where my where my office is but um you know if you were ever to go to Athens mm-hmm. you would be amazed um you know they're well OU owns over 200 buildings
0: wow in, in, just in, in Athens? Athens yes wow
1: and um it it's unbelievable they basically and, own Athens yeah it's pretty much that's pretty much true um it, it almost feels like Marshall owns Huntington well think of it on a on a much larger scale um if you were to look at at a map of mm-hmm. of uh, everything that that o u owns there in Athens it's just unbelievable, so I was amazed the first time I went there so
0: Anyway. well with your you, so you're doing an associate's degree option you have over at your at the ironton campus but many of your classes can be done online also some of your classes you don't have to take them at ironton some of them if you're not teaching them you're not going to be driving to athens to teach them but there may also be other professors who teach let's say a programming course oh yes uh, at lancaster or something like that right do you all have an articulation with I mean, within your within your own body, so that your your two year degree can then move on to a four.
1: Yes, um, you could always go to the Bachelor of Technical Applied Studies, uh-huh. and and you don't have to leave. Mm-hmm. That's you know a lot of people around here. Um, it's just the way we are. We don't want to leave the area. Yeah, um, you can do the entire four year degree in BTAS there out of. Um, ironton or proctorville you know we do have a uh, a really nice center in proctorville that a lot of people are not aware of either um really nice building but um we also do have uh kind of a, a not it's not an articulation but um there's a four-year degree called um information and telecommunication systems mm-hmm. which is networking okay and um they pretty much take everything that out of uh CTCH, which is my program, Computer mm-hmm. Science Technology, and um, they'll take our ours and, and roll it right into their four-year degree. The Computer Science degree, mm-hmm. on the other hand, does not accept hardly anything of, uh, of the Computer Science Technology right. degree because they are traditional um, –
0: Computer Straight up science, science and, and,
1: yeah, it's science. It's actually in the College of Engineering. Oh, and so there, that is really an engineering degree. Math, 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 math. The math is ungodly, and so when people come in and they say, "Oh, you're computer science," I want to do a four year degree in computer science, and I say, "Well, have you seen the math yeah. in that yet?" And they take a look at it and they're like, "Oh my gosh," you know. And mm-hmm. so that's how, that's how I end up with a lot of students in computer science technology, which is really what they wanted to do in the first place, you know. So
0: right. Okay. Well great. Well thank you for sitting down with us today and talking to us. uh, Nice to be back. Talking about a lot of uh what it's like to be an IT consultant in either of the three different manifestations you can you can be in, either working for the company, uh working for a consulting third party company or doing it on your own. Yep. So thanks a lot, Scott. Thank you. Well, I hope the interview with Scott Nicholas um was very informative for you. I hope you learned a lot of things and, and also found out that you know, in a large company, the person writing the paycheck may not know what's going on as opposed to the, the, to the CEO, a lot of good information in there, especially if you decide to go the route of being your own employer. Um, because you always need to make sure you don't bite the hand that feeds, but they can't walk all over you. As usual, we want to remind you all that if you have any articles you want us to talk about, uh, on the podcast, or you have any feedback for us, you're more than welcome to go ahead and, and log on to Twitter and go to our Twitter page which is TalkOnTechMCTC and leave us any feedback, comments, or suggestions. I'll also mention you're more than welcome to go on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes which is Talk on Tech with Josh and Patrick. Feel free to rate us there on iTunes and leave us any comments you'd like there as well. Next week we'll come back with uh, with a new episode where we'll have uh, a lot of great articles again, but uh, this was just a special case. But for now, I am Patrick Smith, and I'm Josh Joseph. Everyone have a great week